Hello, and welcome to another edition of Interviewing the Legends, brought to you by the Publicity Works Agency, devoted to promoting musicians and authors worldwide. Call us today at 941-877-1552 to start your free publicity evaluation. Remember, we shine only when we make you shine. Please welcome the host of Interviewing the Legends, music journalist, author, and entrepreneur, Ray Shasho. Once again, everyone, I'm your host, Ray Shasho. Welcome to another edition of Interviewing the Legends on BBS Radio and TV. It's brought to you by the Rockstar Chronicles Series 1, my new book, featuring over 45 intimate conversations with the greatest music legends the world will ever know. It's now available on BigBookBaby.com and Amazon.com. Well, six-time Grammy nominee Maria Moldar who's been dubbed the first lady of roots music for previous albums, touching on her wide-ranging influences from blues, country, folk, jazz, and even jug band music, continues her exploration of the great American roots music songbook. On her latest excursion, this time into the vintage jazz and blues sounds of the 1920s and 30s, Maria teams up with acclaimed New Orleans street band Tuba Skinny for Let's Get Happy Together, which is releasing on May 7th on Stony Plain Records. Marie Moldar is best known worldwide for her 1974 mega-hit Midnight at the Oasis, which received several Grammy nominations and enshrined her forever in the hearts of baby boomers everywhere. But despite her considerable pop music success, her 55-plus year career could be best described as long and adventurous odyssey through the various forms of American roots music. During the folk revival of the early 60s, she began exploring and singing early blues, bluegrass, and Appalachian old-timey music, beginning her recording career in 1963 with the Even Dozen Jug Band, and shortly after, they're joining the very popular Jim Queskin Jug Band, touring and recording with them throughout the 60s. Please welcome American folk and blues singer Maria Maldar to Interviewing the Legends. Hello, Maria. Hey there, how are you? I'm doing great. The last time we chatted, you turned me on the Memphis Mini, on the first K oh. Memphis Mini album, and I loved it, man. I didn't know anything about Memphis Mini until you showed me. Well, that's part of the reason I do these projects. You know, they're all labors of love, but I have so many uh, musical heroes that, you know, came from a bygone era, that, and, and they made such a big contribution to our our general cultural heritage that I, I feel they shouldn't just fade into the mist of the past or end up on a dusty shelf in the Smithsonian someplace. So that's what I try to do is uh, kind of breathe new life 
listen to their music and turn people on to them. So I'm glad you were one of them. Well, I'm glad you're doing it, man, because, you know, the kids today, they have everything at their disposal as far as looking up, you know, great music and history and things like that, but they don't seem to be using it like they should, you know? I wish I had all these devices when I was a kid. Oh, my goodness. Back in, uh, I remember in 1963, Victoria Spivey, who is one of the contemporaries of of Bessie Smith, uh, had suggested to my... Friends who went won something called the Even Dozen Jug Band that I that they would get me to join the band, mm-hmm. and she took me under her wing and played me. Uh, it took me up to her apartment and uh, was playing old blues that she thought might be well suited to my young little voice. And one of the songs she played was a Memphis mini tune called Trick St. Walker, and I was just, it was so haunting, I fell in love with it, and I searched for years and years looking for another song by Memphis Minnie. It wasn't till, uh, till Arhuli came out with a compilation in, like, lucky the person that actually uh, uploaded that into YouTube you know we're very lucky for them too to find that music and because you know the quality is not bad at all you know on a lot of those old old uh, performances you know Several years ago, I think it was in 03 or something like that, you did a, uh, a performance at Carnegie Hall in tribute to Peggy Lee. Uh, that was oh. that was really cool. I love Peggy Lee. Oh, she was she was definitely one of my influences. Uh, she uh, she had such a cool kind of minimalist, almost zen way of singing. You know, she was she was ultra hip. You know, very and, hip. And, mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, Peggy was very sexy, kind of like a Maria Maldar. <laughs> oh, you're too kind. 
Well, I have a whole different kind of persona. I'm not nearly as cool and laid back as she is because I, you know, I'm I'm of Italian descent, so it's a little more, little more out front and fiery. But um, <laughs> same message underneath it all. Let's just say that. Yeah, but you know, uh, Midnight at the Oasis conceived a lot of babies. I hear. I hear. <laughs> But over the years, I tour and I meet people after the show at the CD table or whatever. I have been told so many stories, some of them X-rated, about what people were doing or were inspired to do by that song. And another uh, song that I recorded at that time uh, by another wonderful blues singer that deserves more recognition, Blue Bark, it was a song called Don't You Feel My Leg. Yeah. And and I have actually been shown, you must have read this somewhere in mm-hmm. my bio or something, I've been shown photos of babies that people say were, <laughs> were conceived to my music. I mean, what do you say to that? But glad I could be of help. <laughs> well, you were one of the hot mamas back in the 70s, that was for sure. You and Linda and then uh, a bunch of other ones. But, you know, you, you were... Bonnie. Yeah, you and, and also Bonnie Raitt. Yeah, Bonnie Raitt. We still, Bonnie and I are close, and we all live in the San Francisco Bay Area, right. so actually we we three get together quite often. Yeah, I was lucky enough to be in a conference call with Linda Ronstadt, Emmy Lou Harris, and Dolly Parton, and they were so funny. Wow. <laughs> what a bunch that, of characters. That was a fun project. Have you seen Linda uh, in a while? Have you talked to her in a while? Yes, that's what I just said. I go, we, I go visit her. You know, at least several times a year, right? And stay in touch. Uh, she's a very dear friend. I've known her since 1966. Hi, how's she doing? I know I've, I've seen a couple of things where she still sings, and she's singing, uh, you know, the, the Mexican type, and she's fantastic at it. I wish she had come out earlier doing the, her roots, you know, her Mexican. Because I actually saw her sing. Uh, in one of her concerts, she did a, like a Mexican type concert, and she was incredible doing that. Oh, absolutely! But she, um, you know, she had had Parkinson's for right. the last several years, so her singing days sadly are over. But she's still she's an extremely intelligent and well educated person, all self educated. She just is so knowledgeable about so many things yep. these days. Totally with everything that's going on and um, it's just always a pleasure to get together with her. I want to mention you have a special live stream concert coming up on Thursday, April 29th. Uh, it's it's with it's at the Drew Drop In in New Orleans. And uh, talk talk about that. What what's what's uh, are you going to be playing your new album? Well, here's what's go- here's what's going on. I put out an album. I I fell in love with this band I heard playing in a store a few years ago. Right. Uh, called Tuba Skinny. I had no idea who they were. I thought we were listening to a radio show that was playing old vintage jazz. And the woman in the store informed me it wasn't the radio. It was a young street band from New Orleans ones called Tuba Skinny, and uh, I didn't believe her. She had to show me the CD because, you know, I've studied the, you know, vintage jazz and blues of the 20s and 30s all my life. I was in a couple of jug bands, and I've, you know, pretty much I'm 
I'm combing through the archives of our musical heritage and, and spend a lot of time in that era. <laughs> and I was sure I was listening to an old 78, but sure enough, it was a young band of street musicians. And I fell in love with them. Uh, I, I asked her to, she knew some of them, and uh, she was able to... <laughs> get a hold of some of their albums for me, which immediately went into heavy rotation in my life and, and remain there. I have now I have at least ten of their albums. But they are a wonderful band of young musicians who I immediately recognized from hearing them play that right. they they're not just playing this music, they're kind of channeling the whole vibe and an aura of, of a bygone era, and an era that was more relaxed and more kind of, I don't know, for lack of a better word, organic. Mm -hmm. And, and they, they obviously have great reverence for the music and, and, uh, are using the tools of the internet we were talking about to dig around and find some of the great old music of the early jazz bands and blues bands. And, and they play it with, um, kind of in a very egoless way. You know, nobody's standing out front going, ta-da, now I'm taking a fancy solo. They just all interweave. They just, their melodies are just interwoven together. They play with a kind of very relaxed synchronicity that just instantly makes you feel happy. I mean, I wonder why I was so crazy about this particular band, having heard many other, you know, bands play this kind of music, and that's the conclusion I came to, was they play it in a very pure and, and a way that just kind of, just puts out a big dose of joy, so I uh, happened to uh, be, in, uh, I was invited a year ago, January, to New Orleans to do a a showcase at the International Folk Alliance, right. and I, I thought, what are they, you know, I'm in here in California, I can't drag my whole band back there, and I, I was going to just pass on the invitation, and then I thought, ooh, maybe I could ask Tuba Skinny to do it mm -hmm. with me, so I contacted them, and they said they would, we had one quick rehearsal, and went out there and did a did a 45 minute set and it was so natural I just felt so at home playing with them because obviously even though we're several generations apart we both we spent a lot of time drinking out of the same musical right. fountains is how I like to put it so it was like I just felt like I had been playing with them all my life it was a natural fit and we after the show, everybody came up and said how much they liked it, and people said, this is a marriage made in heaven. Yeah, you guys sound great together. Nobody could believe we'd never performed together before. Anyway, long story short, uh, um, a gentleman named Helga Peterson, who used to own a little roots label in Canada called Stony Plains, mm -hmm. uh, was down there at that birth alliance and heard it, heard the performance, and took me out to lunch the next day and told me how much he liked it. He said, what would you think about doing an album with them? I said, oh my God, I'd love to. That would be a dream come true. So he convinced the new, he told the new owner of the label about it and uh, convinced him to uh, take a chance and 
and uh, put you know put an album together. So that's what I did. I recorded it last fall in New Orleans. We had two rehearsals and three days of recording and. Uh, what you hear is what we did, and it was all a very natural process and a lot of fun, and um, the, the name of the album is Let's Get Happy Together. As I was sitting with Holder thinking about it, you know, after he brought up the idea, I said, yeah, that would be great. And mm -hmm. we start, he started looking in his phone for, for material. Uh, he said, maybe you should do it. And he, he looked up Lil Harden Armstrong, who was... Louis Armstrong's first wife. Right. And there it was. The first song we found, it was called Let's Get Happy Together. And we played it on his phone. And it was mm. such a cool little happy little song. I said, that's great. And that could, that would be a great title for the album. Little did we know that less than a, about a month later, the whole world would be shrouded in the gloom of the pandemic. Yeah. And, and, um, so it just seems, you know, very kind of uh, serendipitous that, that that this music, which is all very happy, that this it's coming out May seventh, which is just as we're all coming out of hibernation exactly. and lockdown, and yep. you know, starting to feel hope. And so, I think it's a perfect motto for for the for the moment we're in. Let's get happy together. Sure. You know, the Brits brought back the blues. You know, reintroduced the blues back to America. And you're reintroducing the, the, the 20s, the roaring 20s back into America, you know, with this album, which is really cool. Your, your voice is incredible, Maria. It, it, like you said, it's a marriage made in heaven because it sounds perfect with the band. It sounds like you were reincarnated from the 20s. <laughs> I sometimes think I must have been. I, I think, you know, because that's, that's where I live musically and spiritually. Yeah. That, that era of music. Whether it's old blues or jazz band music or early jazz. I, 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 that's where I live musically and spiritually. And really, the two things are very close. The musical realm and the spiritual realm is really a very pin veil between them. So I, and I feel like these kids, and a lot of them came out of punk backgrounds. This wasn't the first music they played, right. I found out. Huh, really? Uh, I didn't know that. But a lot of them were in like, you know, punk bands and different things like that. But, but they all came together in New Orleans and started playing. And, and Shay Cohen is this darling, beautiful little gal. She's about, she's in her mid thirties and she plays, she's kind of the band leader and she plays cornet. And she plays it so well and so beautifully. I mean, trumpet can can sound harsh sometimes and a little abrasive, but she plays it so melodiously and has a great tone. And and she just with a little nod of her hand or a little wave of her trumpet, she leads the whole band and so everybody knows when to take a solo. And um you know, I said, How did you end up being the leader and she said, Well, somebody has to direct the traffic. But they all play it's so beautifully together. It's not that anyone's like such an astounding virtuoso, but they play what's, what's even better than being a virtuoso to me is playing 
that's suitable for the song, right. what's relevant to that song in that moment with the other people you're playing with. You know, music isn't a solitary act. Uh, it, 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 it requires, real music requires listening to everyone else at the same time that you're playing and sure. just being a part of the conversation and knowing when to come in and when to come out and, you know, when to say something and when to shut up. And, um, I agree. It's, you know, I mean, I guess it's, it's called harmoniousness mm -hmm. and that's missing in a lot of today's music and in a lot of today's daily social interaction. So I, I think the quality of that that they're emanating is, is, is what's so attractive to people. And they have fans all over the world. I go, I go on their YouTube, I go to YouTube a lot to see. They put out stuff all the time. And they, the, the, the little comments of appreciation are in like dozens of different languages. So it, it just shows how, um, relevant and uh, and moving this music still is to people even though it's it's what are we in 2021 a hundred years after this music was first amazing amazing created. you know you brought back some other secret weapons from the past one uh i didn't realize how great of a a, a singer dorothy lamora was and you did the uh, you did I go for that, which was one of my favorite tunes, and you sing that beautifully. Thank you. Well, the original concept. Excuse me, I had to have a sip of water. That's okay. That <laughs> the original concept when when Holger and I first very first started talking about it, we thought, well, what theme could it have? Well, maybe we could pay tribute to. Uh, women artists from New from, you know, musical artists from New Orleans. Sure. And I had recently found out, we later expanded it to include other, other things and, uh, you know, but unbeknownst to me and probably the most everyone, uh, Dorothy Lamore was born and raised in, in New Orleans mm -hmm. and before she became a, an exotic, sultry Hollywood star in a sarong and was in all those movies, she was married to a big band leader and sang and recorded with them quite a bit and so I definitely wanted to include at least one of her tunes and found this great one called I Go For That. It's the music of those days was so much more lighthearted, and the lyrics were just really, yep. you know, kind of droll and hip, like it has lines like, you, you play the youth, you're from Dubuque, I go for that, or, you know, <laughs> and, and it's just kind of tongue-in-cheek and lighthearted, and, um, and, you know, and the melodies are a, a little more subtle and, you know, finely wrought than a lot of today's music. So I, I, I find it endlessly fascinating and, of course, fun to play and sing. You, you brought back Annette uh, Hernshaw, who recorded, what, two, over 250 sides, and she, she was actually very, very popular back in the 30s. Very popular, but, you know, a lot of people yeah, today may big, not know. Big, yeah. A big radio star. 
star, beautiful right. gal, and had a very, she, she was white, but, you know, she had a very soulful voice, very evocative voice, and I had recorded a couple of her tunes before years ago. I did one called Cooking Breakfast for the One I Love. If you ask most people today who, do they ever hear of Annette Henshaw, they, that nobody would, exactly. you know, yeah. would know. You know, like, more people have heard of Fanny Bryce, who right. also recorded in that right. time period. But, but um, it's just endless how many great and talented people there were, and there's no reason why they should just fade into the past. If we can, it, it only enriches our culture now if we keep bringing those things forward and sharing them with others. Yeah, I hope I hope great music like this comes back, and and I thank you for that because you know we've gotten so stagnant, you know, in the mainstream nowadays. You know, it's it's more or less about dancing and you know doing you know you, you don't have those uh, virtuoso musicians like we used to have. You know, you well, really don't. Yeah, well, let's make one thing clear: the music I did with Tuba Skinny is definitely about dancing. I mean, like you say, the Roaring Twenties, right. people were dancing like crazy, and the, I mean, now some great videos of, of of that stuff is just coming out. But I mean, it's a different kind of dance music. But um, Tuba Skinny, you know, they play a lot in the in the street. And uh, people just start dancing. They're just busking in the mm -hmm. street. And people just start dancing in the street. And they, they play clubs, too. And the, the clubs are packed with swing dancers when they play. And, um, and they, they, but they're not, I don't want to give the impression that they're just a street band because they also, they also play a lot of different venues around New Orleans right. and have been discovered by the <laughs> jazz bands over in Europe. Now, over in Europe, they, there's way more of an appreciation sure, I agree. of early American jazz. There always has been, even in the original days of jazz, you know, when they would have people like Josephine Baker and right. all the black jazz musicians would often end up living in Paris or somewhere in Europe because they were so much more widely accepted there. So they, they've headlined quite a few jazz festivals over in Europe and, and, and if you look online and look at their YouTube, their videos, they have lots and lots of followers. So I think they're already doing a lot to, you know, revive its interest in this kind of music. I've been doing it in my own little way all along. Sure. I, I'm very encouraged to know. It, it meant the world to me to find out that there was a band of young people that were discovering and caring so carefully for this music. Well, you, you brought back the Goofus Five, which a lot of people probably never heard of nowadays. We, we... I never heard of them either. <laughs> this is another fun thing about I fancy myself a lifelong student and aficionado of this kind of music had never except for two songs on the album. One is Delta Bound, which was originally done by Duke Ellington, Ivy Anderson sang it with Duke Ellington and his orchestra. And I had always loved that song and wanted to do it. I just needed to find the right band to, to sing it with, and, and now I have. <laughs> Thank you. 
because you teach me a lot. <laughs> you well, you know, as long as I have the energy to do it, I'll keep doing it. I, I certainly enjoy it, and I'm so looking forward to this. Um, I'm going to go to New Orleans in a couple of weeks. Right. And 
have a couple of rehearsals with Tuba Skinny, and we're going to do a live stream at the Dewdrop mm-hmm. Social Hall, and what is it called? It's a historic, I think it's called the Dewdrop Social Hall. Right, right. It, and it's, it's, I never heard something else I just recently discovered. It was built in 1895 in Mandeville, uh, which is across Lake Pontchartrain from New Orleans. And it was built by the black community in 1895 because they wanted to have their own social, you know, their, their own community center and a venue to hear music. And all the great, I, I found out that all the great original jazz artists played there, Kid Ory, Louis mm. Armstrong, wow. uh, Buddy Bolden, I mean, these are legendary names. So the wall, it's a funky old place, and the the local historical society has kind of refurbished it. You know, they have a bunch of volunteers, and they kind of refurbished it so that it's a venue for music now. And uh, I know the walls are just dripping and vibrating with musical history. So I'm really excited. I think it's perfect that that I'm going to be doing this music with Tuba Skinny in that place. I think that'll be perfect. And I I hope people will tune in from all over the world because I think it'll be a real special show. Are you going to record that? Well, well, yeah. I mean, it's being live streamed and recorded. Okay, good, 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 good. You know, a video would be cool, too. You know? Well, that's what it is going to be. Oh, it's going to be recorded video. Good. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, Maria, I want to... video. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to tell you what my favorite song is on the album, okay? Okay. And it's by uh, Soul Sister Moldauer. It's Road of Stone. And oh. I, could, I could swear you, you are a... Very talented black uh, artist. I mean, it, it, you you were so soulful in that song. Oh my goodness! Thank you for saying that. I mean, I I I in my travels through the you know the, the cobwebs of time, <laughs> I came across that song, and it was originally done by Sweet Pea Spivey, right. who was the sister of. Victoria Spivey, who mentored me originally when I when I was in the Even Dozen Jug Band. I mentioned her earlier. And I thought, oh, i got to check this out. And I fell in love with the song. It's such a soulful story. It and is. Like, you yeah. know, all these things that have a kind of a universal theme, and this is about loneliness and struggle and trying to have, you know, survive all by yourself and I was really affected by that song and I, I thought twice about, I, I thought well the title of the album is Let's Get Happy Together and most of the songs are totally lighthearted and goofy and fun but that's the other side of my you know musically what I like to do uh, that's a real expressive blues I'm so glad you like it it, it is so original so the way you sing it I mean, it 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 almost didn't sound like you, you know. It's it's it does sound to me like a very talented black artist, you know. It, well, it, that's a big compliment to me, being that this music is all originally 
theirs, but, but, um, you know, the thing is, like I said, it's universal. It doesn't matter what color anybody is. Right. Everyone's felt those emotions. Sure. And the reason these songs are still, uh, doable, appealing today and relevant and why, you know, for instance, you liked it so much is because it, they express universal emotions and issues that everybody struggles with, young, old, black, yep. white, mm -hmm. then, now, you know, and, uh, and, and it's just a real raw, natural expression of the human spirit. So I'm so glad you, you like that. I hope you're going to play some of these on your yeah, show. Yeah, I'm going to pick, probably play that one for sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, play, uh, play, um, Play, let's get, no, let's uh, play, uh, the Goofus Five one, right. uh, I Like You Best of All. And, okay. You know, there's, there's a lot, cause, you know, cause we could blah, blah, blah all day, but there ain't nothing like a musical oh, demonstration yeah, to really let folks know what we're talking about. I agree 100%. I want to say congratulations to you. You received the uh, Trailblazer Award at the Americana Music Honors and Awards uh, 2019. I, I did want to say congratulations on that. Thank you so much. I was very honored to do, to, to be in Nashville yep. and receive you that. You deserve but, that. You know, when I got the award, and I said, oh, God, now I have to give a little speech. <laughs> but I didn't know what I was going to say, but basically I got up and said, well, thank you for this Trailblazers Award, but really I don't feel like a trailblazer. I feel like a trail follower because, and then I named all the people, some mm -hmm. of which we've been, some of whom we've been talking about, that really were the pioneers and trailblazers, like Memphis Minnie and, you know, Doc Watson and 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 Boomy Barker and all the people that I've been following. So I I was uh, very honored to be to be recognized in that way. And it was really a fun three day party in, in Nashville. So it was a lot of a lot of fun for me. I want to mention some things, a little trivia that some people may not know uh, about your family. First of all, your sister in law uh -oh. is Diana Maldar. And, you know, she's a uh, an actress who was in many, many, many different shows. And, of course, your daughter, right, Jenny Muldar, is also yeah. an actress as well. A lot of people she's probably... she's not an actress, she's a singer. Oh, she's a singer. What, what did she perform, though, in, in some, some shows as well, or no? Not that I... I have done some acting kind of in some... I was in Pirates of Penzance and another oh, that's musical right. called... Pump Boys and Dynamics. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, I, I was in uh, Teatro Zinzani, which was a very interesting show that was done here on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. But now Jenny Muldor, her dad is a fabulous singer as well. His name is Jeffrey Muldor. Right, he right. and I were in the Jim Corskin Jug Band together for many years and then um, ended up making two duo albums when we left... Uh, that band in Boston and moved to Woodstock, New York. So Jenny's got it in her blood um, from both sides, mm -hmm. and although we tried to steer her in a more sane <laughs> career, do 
sure we plug her music and her website and everything as well cool. yeah especially when she's got a new new album coming out You were also in Horn from the Heart, the uh, Paul Butterfield story, uh, which was released 2017. That, that's interesting. I'd, I'd love to see that. That is a great, great documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I suggest that you, well, if we ever get to go to movie theaters again, that you see it in a movie theater, or if you you know, stream it or get right. it on Netflix or whatever in your house. You have it, play it on something with really good speakers and turn it up loud because that 
That is, uh, you know, Paul Butterfield was a dear friend and very, very influential uh, musician sure. of that time. And it's a beautifully done, very loving portrait and tribute to him and his music, Emma. And, but to sit, uh, they invited me to, to go see it when it showed here. And I, I was just riveted by, you know, as I was when I very first heard Paul Butterfield. I couldn't believe how vibrant and vibrant and electrifying his music was, you know, uh, when I first heard it. And then when I heard it in the theater, it was like all over again. I, I realized, wow, he really was a monster and yeah. ahead of his time. I agree. So I, I definitely think uh, you and your listeners should get a hold of that album. It's a very well done portrait of a, of a very soulful musician. I, I love bios about musicians. I, I could, you know, you know who I'm getting into a lot now is Elmore James. I mean, I'm, I'm, I am stunned by his, uh, uh, slide playing. I mean, he's definitely the got to be the godfather of the slide. He he was incredible. Oh yeah, yeah. It hurts me too. Always been one of my favorite yeah. tunes. He's he's incredible. I just want to mention real quick about a little bit about Minetta the Oasis. Now it was written by is it David uh, Nichturn? I guess David Nichturn. Nichturn. Okay. How how did uh, how was that? Song select was it selected for you, or you liked the song? You heard it, and then you decided to record well, it. No, here's the story. So I got the chance. I got invited by the president of Warner Brothers to come to L.A. and record my first solo album after Jeff and I broke up, both as a couple and as a musical partner. So I. Go out to New Orleans. I mean, well, I've got New Orleans on the brain. I go out to LA and, uh, I'm still, you know, pretty shook up over the, the breakup of the marriage and I'm there with my young daughter and they put us up in a little bungalow in Laurel Canyon and I start making the album and, uh, calling on, uh, you know, everybody I asked for, I got. Dr. John, Ry Cooter, mm-hmm. David Lindley, you name it. Any any musical guy I liked, they got them for me, any musician. Well, I had, this guy David McTurn was a young songwriter and guitar player that I knew a little bit from New York. And uh, there was a song he had written called I Never Did Sing You a Love Song, a beautiful little country walk. And I, um... I was planning to do that on the album. I don't write at all, so I have to find good songs and good songwriters. So that was one of the songs I had chosen. And he was very excited to know that I was going to record it. And he um, drove out to California in, in the dead of winter on his own dime in his little VW bug, just hoping he'd be able to, maybe they'd let him play rhythm guitar when I cut his song, mm-hmm. which they did. So, uh, but then he stuck around and he really wanted to see what was going on with the whole recording process. And and he was very encouraging to me. He kept, you know, I I felt totally overwhelmed and in over my head to be in the studio with all these heavyweights. And I I didn't know what I was doing at all. And he would just just be like a little, like an encouraging little brother. So one day, um, 
producer, Ronnie Warnocker, comes into the studio and he says, you know, I've been listening to the rough cuts, uh, the rough tracks. He said, and I think we're in good shape. We have some, we have some ballads and we have some up-tempo songs. I think if we had one more medium-tempo song, uh, I think the album would be very well-rounded. So uh, he said, can you think of any? And I looked at David standing there, and I, I thought of this goofy song he had written about a year ago that I wasn't particularly crazy about. But I thought, and what about, somehow the song Midnight at the Oasis came up, and I said, what about that? Is that medium tempo? He said, yeah. And the producer said, we'll play a little of it. So David whips out his guitar, and I sing it, the little bit of it I knew. And the producer said, yeah, that's cute. I mean, he wasn't wild about it, but I, I did, I did that as a gesture of gratitude to right. David because he had been so encouraging to me when I was out there having such a difficult time. So that very afternoon, we called Freebo, the bass player, into the studio. Jim Gordon on drums and Amos Garrett on guitar. Mm -hmm. David played the rhythm part. Mm -hmm. And we recorded it that very afternoon as a total afterthought just to fill out the album. And you know what? God rewarded me for that gesture of oh, gratitude yeah. towards right. David because, of course, the rest is history. Nobody could have dreamed that a goofy song about a camel <laughs> would capture the hearts of people, not just in the States, but all over the world. So it's still a bit of a mystery to me, but, you know, people say, do you ever get sick of playing Midnight at the Oasis, singing Midnight at the Oasis? And I, I say, are you kidding? I get on my knees every night and think, <laughs> for some odd reason, everybody loved that song so much and still don't do to this day. Well, a reviewer from All Music, this is what he, he said, it was so sensual and evocative that it was probably one of the most replayed records of the era and may be responsible for the most pregnancies from a record during the mid-70s. <laughs> and I believe that. <laughs> It was it was probably one of the most um, replayed records uh, responsible for pregnancies from the mid seventies. Oh. <laughs> well, that's like I was saying. That's what apparently people were inspired to do. So you're you're up there with Marvin Gaye and Let's Get It On and all those songs. <laughs> Oh, that's good company. That, I loved him. Loved him. You know, Maria, it, 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 the song was great. You sing it so central, but you had a lot to do with it was your looks back then, too. Come on. <laughs> the way you dressed. Well, you know, I was a natural little organic hippie mama. You know, I didn't, like when I went on TV, I didn't have Well, the way you shook the tambourine helped a lot, too. <laughs> well, you know, I say that's the Sicilian national instrument, there you the tambourine, go. and I'm Sicilian, so yep. I have a natural affinity for it. 
you know, I just found out I did one of those ser- searches for, uh, you know, your DNA, and I found that I was fifty uh, percent. I was actually forty-five or fifty percent Italian, and I didn't know that. Well, that's a wonder. And you didn't know? I didn't know. No, because my my family, my family, my father's side was from Syria, and my mother's uh-huh. my I mother was about that last name. My mother's Cuban. And and they came from Spain, but come to find out, the Syrians came from Italy to Syria. I didn't know that. Well, yeah. Right before I spoke to you, I spoke to a guy, a, a, a guy that was interviewing me from Greece. Right. And and at the end of the our conversation, he said uh, he said something that's a that's sort of a famous Italian saying, una faccia, una raccia. That means one face, one race. And that, that refers to the fact that people from all over the Mediterranean recognize each other sure. as being essentially from the same tribe. <laughs> I agree. So who knows? We might be related. We, we could, never know. We could be. <laughs> Marie, here's, here's your final question, and I ask this question to everybody, and maybe I might even ask you the first time we talk. If you had a Field of Dreams wish, you know, like the movie, uh, to perform, collaborate with anyone from the past or present, who would that be? I'm thinking. That's a tough one for I you. I haven't performed with yet. Um, no, you could, it could be somebody you performed with. Well, I, I, I have been blessed to perform with many, many people that were musical idols and heroes of mine. I mean, James Booker, Dr. John, Ray Brown, Benny Carter, all those big bands, yeah. you know, all-stars. Um but I always wanted to. I always wanted to sing with Al Green. Really? And I, I found out he was a fan of my music as well. And we were planning to do something together. This is several albums ago. And uh, at, at the time we were going to record, he got invited to sing at the White House. So, right. so much for that. That that preempted our recording together. But um, so that's someone that I always wanted to record with that I didn't. But I guess I would also would like to say that I um, I would have loved to sing with the Duke Ellington Orchestra. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, you, you know, uh, I, 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 could, I would love to hear you have an R&B album with guys like, you know... Um, Al Green, Mar- uh, Marvin Gaye, maybe some Temptations and things like that. You would be so good at that. Well, I, you know, who knows what, where my musical attentions will yeah. turn. I did put out a, a an album in 2012 called Steady Love that I cut in New Orleans. That that is would be the most closely mm-hmm. would be closest to what you're talking about. Of course. Marvin Gaye nor Al Green were on it, but if the vibe was there. Well, don't stop pursuing Al Green, because that would be a perfect match in heaven. That would be awesome. You and Al Green together? Oh, my God. 
I got every time I'm in Memphis, you know, I go for the Blues Awards every year. Right. Uh, every time I'm there, uh, I always end up going to his church on Sunday. And actually, he's invited me up to sing a couple of times. Uh, they're just like a gospel song with the choir, you know, so that's been fun. That would be awesome. I, I, I interviewed Dr. John. I, I loved him, man. He, he, oh, lo- he loves Cuban, he loves Cuban music. It. He loves Cuban music and salsa and all that too. He, he's like you. He likes everything, you know. And, oh yeah. Yeah. And and the, the only issue I had was it was very hard to understand him on the phone because of that New New Orleans draw. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. He had a unique way of speaking, and he kind of had made his own very colorful vocabulary yeah. too. Yeah. He, but. Uh, <laughs> I've known him so long, I kind of was used to it, but yeah. we all miss him so Oh, yeah. He was so cool. I loved his music. Maria, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, oh, thank you for having me, and thank you for letting your listeners know about my new album. I'm, I It's not out yet, but I'm hoping everyone likes it as much as I do and as much as you do, because I think it's a it's a good dose of, of, of good medicine that we all need right about now. Well, I'm giving it five stars. I mean, there's there's nothing wow. like that. Nothing like that out today. It from you know it, it brings back so many great memories from a from an incredible era. You know the 1920s. I mean that's uh, you know you, you think we're risque now. Go back to the 1920s. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, the, the, the people. Yeah, you 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 made a good point. People think oh we're so modern and so risque and so hip and so nope. out. Wages, but they were doing it all back then. And That's right. About it too. They got away with it too. They they were yeah. something. Yeah, they were really something back in the day. But well, the best of luck. Best of luck with the new so album. Thanks for having me on your show. Sure. And um, uh, maybe I'll actually see you in person one of these days. That'll be awesome. Get back to live performing. Yeah, I know you. You used to play in Tampa. I think it's Skippers. You were at Skippers. Yeah. yeah. Last time we chatted. So maybe you'll come back to Tampa or Clearwater in that area. Yeah, you know. Where you live? Yeah, I live about uh, I don't know thirty five minutes from uh, Tampa and Clearwater South in Sarasota. Okay, towards Sarasota. Right. Right. So, well, yeah, you never know. I'd like to. I want to keep touring as long as I can yep. once it's safe again. I'd love to see you. I'd love to see you live. Okay. Well, in the meantime, I hope my my music keeps you company, and I send love to you and all your listeners. My best to you, too, and my love to you, too, Maria. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. Take care. Bye-bye now. Bye. You can pre-order Maria Maldar's with Tuba Skinny, Let's Get Happy at www.stonyplainrecords.com and the official release date will be May 7th of this year on Stony Plain Records and I'm sure it'll be on Amazon.com as well but you can go ahead and pre-order that today. I gave it five stars. It's an incredible album. For more information about Maria Moldara, please visit www.mariamoldara.com, also www.tubaskinny.com, www.stonyplainrecords.com. And please, uh, the Paul Butterfield story, an incredible story, Horn from the Heart, you can visit www.hornfromtheheart.com to check that out. 
Very special thanks to Karen Johnson at Mark Pucci Media for arranging this interview with Maria Moldar. And, of course, the dynamic duo of Doug and Don Newsom of BBS Radio for making the magic happen for each and every broadcast of Interviewing the Legends. If you have comments or suggestions for the show, you can always contact me at interviewingthelegends at gmail.com. Please, please, please subscribe to my YouTube channel, Interviewing the Legends with Ray Shasho, for the very latest interviews. It's real news, people. And, of course, my new book, which is out, entitled The Rockstar Chronicles, Series 1. We're hoping to have four. It chronicles truths, confessions, and wisdom from the music legends that set us all free. You can order yours today on the Collector's Edition hardcover or ebook and at bookbaby.com and at amazon.com. It features over 45 in- intimate conversations with some of the greatest rock legends the world will ever know. We got a five star rating. Book review by Literary uh, Titan. Thank you for listening. We hope to see you next time. Peace, love, and stay safe. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Interviewing the Legends. Brought to you by... The Publicity Works Agency. Call 941-877-1552 or visit us at publicityworksagency.com. Specializing in author and music artist publicity plans. We shine when we make you shine. Tune in to Interviewing the Legends every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Pacific Time on PBS Radio. Station 1.